0: Welcome to the Touchline Talks podcast, it's me your host Curtis Foster. This podcast will feature guests from all across the football industry and in every series I'll be talking to specialists within the professional and grassroots game. The aim of my podcast is to educate those who seek a career within football by gaining information, knowledge and insight into various levels of the game through the experience and advice from those who work within it. The podcast will feature individuals from various roles and they will include managers, coaches, analysts, physios, marketing individuals and many, many more. Join me on my podcast journey as we dive deep into the beautiful game and pick apart the foundations of football employment roles. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Touchline Talks podcast with me, your host Curtis Foster. We've had some amazing feedback after the first episode and the insight that we got from Adam Mahoney. So thank you to him for being my first guest. For those of you that are listening and tuning in, um, I'm really, really interested in hearing your thoughts and your opinions on the insights that we're getting and the experiences of people that are coming on the show. I have now released the full lineup for season one. So if there's anything you'd like me to cover or anything you'd like me to sort of dive into in terms of their knowledge, please message me on Twitter or at tTalkPod or you can email me at touchlinetalkspod at outlook.com. I really want to engage everyone that's listening. The whole idea of this is to appeal to an audience of people wanting to work within football, just like myself, just like I've been open about. I'm here to learn, we're all here to learn, and I want to educate you and, and educate myself in the process. So if you've got any burning questions that you'd like to ask sort of any of my guests in terms of their roles, please feel free to do so. But without further ado, I'm delighted to announce my second guest for episode two, mr lee ranson welcome
1: thank you curtis uh, thanks for having me on how are you
0: um, i'm very well thank you lee and i really appreciate in advance you coming on the show and um, i'm sure you'll give us a great insight into sort of issues or queries that i've got regarding the grassroots and the professional game and the overlap of both with regards to coaching um before we start and we dive into those sort of things can you just give us a brief background on yourself who are you where are you from how old are you what exactly is it that lee ranson
1: does cool yeah um So, I'm based in Sussex, uh, so uh, near Havertief, pretty much between uh, Crawley and Brighton. Um, Currently, uh, under-10 coach at AFC Wimbledon. Okay, so obviously a professional
0: academy that you're working in. How long have you worked within that environment? Uh,
1: It's my first season this year, uh, so started in uh, around June, July time last year.
0: Okay, and... Is this your first professional club, or have you got previous experience?
1: Uh No, it's first, first time in academy. Um, I've loved it, to be fair. Uh, apart from, you know, obviously with the current situation now, um, where things have been put on hold, and you know, football takes a back seat, quite rightly. Um, But yeah, no, first season in, I've loved every minute.
0: No, that's good, and, and it's important that you enjoy what you do, and, and this is something that I've echoed, sort of, in my short career and my short life. I'm only 26, and been coaching since college um, so for about eight years now and a lot of people say to me why is it you want to do coaching and sort of when did you know that you wanted to do that and I think sometimes in life you'll you'll try different things and you'll have these ideas in your head that this will work for you or this might work for you but I think when you find that one thing that you really are passionate about you really do care about and and you feel like it's just the perfect fit I think you'll know and I think it's important to echo that to anyone listening and anyone who's either in the game or wanting to get involved with the game in the industry and and get employment is that if you don't love it and you're not passionate about it, it might not necessarily be the right thing for you at this stage. And you might need to find that sort of burning desire to do something that you do enjoy. So I appreciate you being honest about that, Lee, and and I'm really glad to hear that you do enjoy it and you have enjoyed it. What exactly is it about your current role that sort of excites you and and made you sort of go for it?
1: Um, I think it's just, um, you know, the difference, as you'd expect, between sort of previous roles that I've had in grassroots and kind of development settings uh, before going into the academy, is just the you know the level of detail and the the level of depth you can go into in working with one group of players throughout a season, um, and just you know everything that you have available to you. you know, you're able to record the matches and watch them back and talk through things with the players, you get lots of contact time, you know, they, they get well, not only the boys but coaches, you know, you get such a variety and such an amazing amount of experiences like this year that, you know, as, as, a, as a football fan, you know, as someone who's played football and enjoyed football pretty much my whole life, you know, it's just been amazing, you know, you just it, like you say, it's definitely important that you, at times you do just sort of stop and look around and realise, you know, what you're doing you know, especially for me personally, you know, and you appreciate just, you know, how fortunate you are to be able to be doing something you love. Yeah, it's massively
0: important. And just, again, just repeating what I said, it it goes with any industry or any sort of employment or career route that you want to take. It's so important that people out there realise that there is so much more to life than sort of what you see on social media and all that kind of stuff. And, when we work so much of our lives, I think, I don't know what the statistic is. Don't quote me this. I think it's about 75% of our our lives we actually work. You do look at that and you think people, no matter what age you are, it's never too late to start a career in anything. And that's why I wanted to do this. I want to push people that are considering a career that are already in the career and think, Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure if if I've still got the same sort of burning passion and desire, figure it out because you don't want to spend 75% of your life and look back and go, well, I actually wish I'd done that. I had the skills to do that. I had the the belief in myself to do that. And and I just wish I'd sort of done it. This is the whole point of this for me is I want to push people to want to do it by hearing exactly about those experiences from other people. So it's really important. And again, thank you for sort of backing my point up on that Lee, about about loving it and and sort of enjoying it. I just want to follow on from one of the points you made in there about your specific role at the moment, um, because Like you mentioned, you've spent a bit of time in grassroots. In fact, you've spent a lot of time in grassroots. And as I obviously know you personally, um, this is something I was quite keen about when I thought about getting you on the show because this show and the reason I set up this podcast isn't so we can hear about um, sort of the the day-to-day running of like the the pro level and the top level. It's so we can hear a mixture between both and, and we can hear from people directly that are actually involved with both levels of the game their journeys and, and their thoughts of how they've done that and why they've done that and what they might do differently. And, and it's all about advice, but I want to link back to to one of your comments and focus on the pro side of it in terms of what you've got at the moment. And you mentioned about contact time with your under 10s and you said that's something that you really enjoy. How much contact time in a pro academy are you getting with an under 10 site?
1: Um, so for us, um, you know, I can obviously only speak for us at, at Wimbledon. I, I believe I'm right in saying that it, it varies between um, the the category of academy that you are in the age groups. There's there's slight variations around it. Um, the a, a general week for us looks like um, free training sessions uh, for an hour and a half, um, and a match day, and then you know occasional. You know, there might be some kind of midweek things, you know, midweek fixtures, um, additional to that. But a regular, a regular standard week looks like three training sessions for an hour and a half and then a match day on a Sunday.
0: It's quite interesting hearing that, three sessions a week. I mean, those that know me at, at the moment, I'm currently managing my Milo in the uh, Southern County Combination League. And that's a senior level sort of side, obviously a voluntary role three sessions of an hour and a half a week, I would be absolutely buzzing with that contact time. To be able to get that would be incredible. So the fact that you've got that with under Thames is obviously amazing. How would that compare to some of the grassroots clubs and the grassroots levels that you've worked out? Is is that similar? Because I've always personally found it it not to be the same at grassroots because of the facilities and access. But how do you see it? You've had some great experience within both sides. Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's... My experience is varied, so I'm sure it's you know it's varied for a lot of people. Um, the first first grassroots team I took, uh, looking at whew, about eight nine years ago, no maybe maybe not as long as that, seven or eight years ago, with uh, a local side to me, Cookfield Cosmos. Um, took their under 15s for two years, so into under sixteens. Then we trained. We had every every club trained on a Saturday morning, and um, the parents kind of chipped together to get us a third of a free G on a midweek evening for an hour as well. Um, so that that's obviously a fortunate situation, and you know some clubs will be able to do that, some won't. Um, you know, purely for facilities or you know cost, whatever that may be. Um, worked with another uh, an under 15s team uh, a couple of years ago whilst I was doing my UEFA B. Um, we trained uh, just once, uh, so we trained for. Again, it was only an hour, uh, half of the 3G, and then we had a game on Saturdays. So, you know, that's varied. Um, my experiences in kind of the development side. Um, obviously, I've worked for uh, Chelsea with, in the foundation within Sussex. Uh, we had development groups there that would train once a week, you know, additional to where they played for their grassroots club. Um, we had an advanced centre as well, so where you know the best players we come into contact uh, with through all of our programmes would come in. Um, the, the first year that I, w- I worked on that programme, we had two training sessions uh, for an hour and a half. The second year, we moved to one training session for an hour. So a variety of you know contact times with different groups.
0: How do you think the differentiating amount of time that you get in terms of contact affects the job that you can do as an individual?
1: Um, You know, obviously the the more, well, I say the more time the better is obviously how you manage that time and you know what, what you plan to do. And you, you get more opportunity, um, to, you know, use a variety of practices, a variety of approaches, a variety of exercises, um, which is obviously, you know, beneficial to the players, uh, it's beneficial to you as a coach as well, because, you know, it challenges you to make sure that, you know, every session the boys are turning up, they enjoy it, you know, that they're getting what they need out of every session. And, you know, they're, they're the challenges that you face. They're obviously good challenges to have. Um, but, you know, we never have any problems with, you know, motivational enjoyment. That's, you know, the the two Two things you've got to make sure that you have, you know, in every session. For me personally, you know, that's that comes with the territory. Of you know, you're you're working with players to try and improve them, but but you you need to make sure they have that love of the game for as long, you know, as long as possible. Yeah, no,
0: definitely, and and just like the, the coaches or or any sort of people that work in, involved in the game, like we just said and like we said at the, at the beginning, it's about loving it, and most importantly. Players need to love the game. And I'll link this back to something I saw a couple of years back. And I don't know if you remember this, Lee. I know it's quite public, but um, those of you that are listening that remember him, Tottenham left-back, Benoit Asuokotu, he said that he absolutely despised football. He said the only reason he sort of got involved and started playing was because he was good at it at a young age and he needed a way to sort of provide for his family, I believe was, was the situation. And as someone who's obviously been obsessed with the game since I was probably 10 I honestly could not believe when I saw that that a professional footballer that played at the Premier League, the top top level of the game, he was a good player. He hated it. He he said he openly said he absolutely hated the game. And I don't know. Have you ever had any experience of people that you you found incredibly talented, but you don't particularly feel like they enjoy it or that they love it as much as they they might or other people do? Um,
1: no, I don't think so. Um, I think you have there's variations isn't there you know groups of people that you work with you know some kids are just so driven so focused you know they they absolutely love the game some kids you know they they you can you can tell they don't take it as seriously in terms of kind of developing or pushing themselves but you can tell they just absolutely love playing football you know then you've got the kind of the flip side of that where you know kids that that love it so much, you know, and they they want to do the best, and they, you know, they get they have their frustrations, you know, when they don't win games or when you know things don't come off that you know that they they want to have those experiences. Um You know, I've I've had, you know, that whole that whole spectrum really of kind of behaviours and things like that. But I, I don't think I've ever no nothing springs to mind immediately, so I, I'm gonna have to say no on that one. I do, you know.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. Like I said, it was it was certainly a, an incident that I was shocked to see. Certainly from from a professional player, but it just goes to show that it can have such a big impact. Like the mental side of it and and the the mentality of wanting to play football and the love for the game, it, it impacts everyone, and and it's different for everyone that sort of is involved with the game. I want to go go back a minute to um to what you were talking about a minute ago in terms of your experience and stuff, and something that sort of stuck in my mind from that, from what you were, what you were saying. It was all really interesting and something really key that I think you've raised. And it's something that I would like to discuss with you and get your views. You mentioned when I asked about the contact time and you said, obviously, ideally it's great. The more, the more you've got the better, but you said something I thought was, was so important for those that are listening. You said about managing time, right? And Lee, could you elaborate on what you mean by managing that time? Because I I think this is such an important message for people listening.
1: Absolutely. Um, It's it's key as well, you know, that you've picked up on that because it's been a challenge for me this year as well. You know, having, having that amount of time with the same group of players is not something I've ever experienced before. Um, And, you know, going back to where, you know, I've spoken about my grassroots team or working with a, a development group where you get an hour, hour and a half a week. Um, you know, my my preference then was to, you know, take a, a games based approach. Um, you know, through small sided games and, um, you know, practices like that, where we were playing what looked like the game of football in its, you know, in its fullest form, as much as possible. Um, so, going from that into an environment where you've got you know, four and a half hours of training time and a match day was a challenge for me because I was not stuck in stuck in my ways or stuck in, um, you know, my preferences to how I wanted to do practice, but um, having to then, you know, th- consider a wider range of, um, you know, practice types and activities that, you know, we can do Um had, it it took its time to be fair it wasn't something that happened straight away um i obviously i do you know have my preferences in how i structure a session but i think as the seasons progressed that you know you realize the time that you do have um and you know just how much more you're able to do with the players when you you have that time
0: yeah no i agree and it is about like you said it is the important message is that it's to do with the players and if you're managing your time effectively ultimately the aim is can you get the best out of the players that you've got with the time that you've got and i really want to sort of shine a torch on the grassroots side of the, the time management right so in terms of the feedback we've had so far from um episode one i've had a very very good mixture of sort of people in the pro game and people in the grassroots game, and I'm really overwhelmed by the mixture, and and that's what I wanted to do. And it's people in various roles that have sort of uh, messaged me and said, "Wow, like really enjoyed it, really insightful." And in terms of the grassroots sort of coaches and even people at the top level, there, there were questions sort of raised and stuff that they sort of asked me to feedback on or, or ask questions about, and it was actually stuff that I wanted to to hear opinions on as well. And I just want to talk about like I said, the grassroots side of the management of time, and. In terms of my experiences within that, I think we've all done the same. When, we, when we've gone into a club, we, we probably see sessions that we see online. Uh, there's obviously great resources on YouTube, on Twitter and stuff now. And we say, oh, I like the look of that. I'm going to give that a go on my players. And I'll get your opinions on this immediately because I'm sure you've probably got a lot to say on it. But in terms of that time management, how would you best advise grassroots coaches that either are just starting or... I've been doing it for a year or two, but aren't necessarily what you'd call football people because uh, there's something I need to, I need to say because it's something that I'm really passionate about. If you are a volunteer within grassroots football or even professional football, you are the real MVPs. All right. And I I think Lee would back me up here. Anyone who volunteers to, to work with youngsters, to work with a group of people, to aid them, promote their best interests and to, offer them an opportunity to play a sport that they love. You are already an incredible person in my eyes. I think volunteers are so underrated within sport, within football, but there's too often, and and this is just my opinion, I see so many people that are so passionate, so amazing for, for doing it, but they just don't have what I'd say the resource or understanding of how to better themselves. How would you advise me, people like that who are doing an incredible job how do you go and better yourselves as a grassroots coach where do you find resources and and what did you do when you were in the grassroots game to to give grassroots players that unbelievable content
1: um i fully back you up on that as well um you know obviously being in grassroots um i've worked in schools you know a lot of the time in it's my main my main employment is in a secondary school and i've worked in secondary schools um doing after school clubs you know that if you know you are a grassroots coach and you have that one training session one match a week you know you'll have kids in your team that that is their one thing that they look forward to most like every single week and you provide them that opportunity so i you know absolutely having been there and you know knowing people that do it and like you say i, I fully back you up on that uh, massively uh, in terms of you know my coaching and the the kind of journey i've been on in trying to improve you're right there there's so much out there There's more out there now than, you know, even when I started and I started coaching, you know, like I said, probably about eight or nine years ago um, with the grassroots team. And from then to now, there's just so much more information out there. Um, My advice would be, my main point of advice would be, you've got to be able to filter that information and be able to take what your players need. You'll take ideas for yourself absolutely and you'll find you know numerous things numerous drills numerous ideas and sessions that you 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 would be able to do but you've got to be able to filter that information and be able to apply it to your players now I was most definitely guilty of you know being that coach that looked at video on YouTube and it looked fantastic you know and there's people moving here and there and you know it's all singing, all dancing, and it's it it looks complicated. But because it looked complicated, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, that's the stuff I need to do. You go you go out there on a Saturday morning and you try it with your players, and it just doesn't come off because you're you're taking the you know the drill completely out of context. You know, even even on the basics, you know, I think there's there's videos out there. If I pick, for example, uh, let's say Simeone, I see a Simeone drill. You know, he's working with, uh, you know, his back four, he's working on defending in front of the goal. Um, they've got a really small square, you know, and the, the attackers are trying to break the line of four to go and score. They're trying to get in behind to score a goal. Now, what, what you don't know watching that video, you watch that video and you think, right, this is a defending drill. I'm going to get my four defenders to do this. I'm going to set up the area the same size. You know, we, we're going to go and give it a go. What what you don't take out of that, and what you know, certainly I was guilty of this in the past, is that you know, knowing what I know now as well, you don't know what day they're on in their training week, you know, because the area is small. You know, they might be that's the day before a game, they might be a day after a match, there's a recovery session, so that's why the area's the size it is. Uh, the area might be the size it is because of the ability of the players, and you need, you know, they need to be able to work in those smaller spaces. You know, that doesn't mean that your players need to work in those smaller spaces. Your players might need bigger spaces. Your players, you know, might need an overload to be able to get more success first. So the numbers that you use might not be able to be the same. You know, so you've got to be able to apply it to what you see. You know, there's so much out there, as you say. Uh, The the thing I can recommend most, you know, is a lot of the FA resources now are fantastic. You know, and certainly there's much more that the FA are willing to put out there now than they were, you know, a few years ago. And there's stuff like, you see uh, Pete Sturgis, for one, if you're working with younger players, some of the stuff he does is fantastic. You know, where you can use the time, you know, kids have got a ball, They're they're doing things that look like the game. And when you don't have a lot of time, when you've got an hour and a half on a Saturday, you know, having your players on the ball, doing things that, look like a game, you know, whether that's 2v2s and there's two goals, fantastic. You know, whether that's, you know, you have 12 players turn up and you have a 6v6, you know, with a challenge on the game, fantastic. You know, just making sure you can apply it to your players. You know, there's, as we've said, there's lots of things out there. You know, there's, there's even, you know, you don't have to watch professional drills anymore. You can watch academy teams and academy coaches training, you know, and they're looking at switching play. But, Even then, you've got to remember, you know, if there's an academy session, it's under 12s, they're looking at switching play. You know, 75, 80% of their players are going to be able to pick a ball to someone's feet 40 yards away. Now, can can your players do that in a grassroots setting? If they can, fantastic. If they can't, then you need to, you know, you can use the setup of the drill, but you need to change it to suit your players. And you've got to be able to, just take little bits and filter the information and make sure your players get the best out of the time they spend with you.
0: Lee, you made some unbelievable points there and, and it's stuff that... It's exactly the reason why I've done this podcast. It is so informative and it's so insightful. Like I've said on, on the previous episode, there's so many things that people listening aren't aware of or will or listen and think, oh, I've never really thought about it like that. And, and that's the whole point of this podcast. So please, if you're listening, take snippets of these information. I'm not expecting you to completely change your mentality or or thought process on on how you do things, because everyone needs to be different. Everyone needs to be independent and and have their own style and philosophy, but please take snippets from these episodes and question yourself, self-reflect yourself and think, oh, actually is that applicable to me? Because the first thing you mentioned when I asked you that question, Lee, was you admitted that you were guilty of sort of session borrowing or using sessions that Actually, you saw online thought, oh, I like the look of that. And I'm going to be honest with you here, Lee. I I think if anyone says they haven't done that, I think they're lying. I think we've all been guilty of sort of borrowing sessions or seeing something that was really glamorous on on YouTube, for example, going, oh, I'm going to do that. And my opinion is it's not necessarily wrong to, to borrow sessions, new sessions. People have tried them, they've tested them. But you made some unbelievable points about how the content needs to be relevant to your players. It needs to be relevant and applicable to the players that you're working with. There are certain sessions, you mentioned the Simeone session and my word, what a coach. So going to be controversial. I hope I don't lose any followers or fans from this, but I'm a Liverpool fan. And obviously we've been knocked out by Atletico Madrid this season in the Champions League. And I saw so many people on social media and stuff saying, oh, that's not the right way to play football. And, and that's not football and all this. And I thought, am I watching a different game? Because I just watched a masterclass and I'm a Liverpool fan And I watched that and thought, wow. So I'm glad you referenced his sessions, because if you haven't seen him, he's obviously an incredible coach in terms of the way he sets his teams up to defend. So if you're listening and you haven't seen any of his sessions, go on YouTube and have a look at Simeone's sessions and and just remember that they're relevant to the players he's working with. So some absolutely incredible ones. And you, you mentioned also, Lee, that not only the pro game, but there's also now resources available for academy sessions, And I just want to give a shout out to the the people on social media. Um, There's some really great people out there that are trying so hard to educate others. And they are trying so hard to use their experiences and their knowledge about coaching specifically with sessions and and their sort of library. and, And they're passing those on and making them public to people. Like you said, the FA have got some great resources and people like Pete Sturgis and Ben Bartlett. If you don't know who they are, go and have a look at them. They are two of the best coaches you will see in terms of the content they provide, in terms of relevance to the age group that they're working with. There's some great resources that they put on on social media and stuff. So go and check them out. But I want to sort of refer to your knowledge, Lee, and some of the stuff that you've said I found really interesting. And I want to know, where did you pick up some of the information that you've got? And what made you the coach you are today?
1: Uh, good question um I think experience um you know and just the amount of you know sessions I've done and the amount of, the variety of teams that I've worked with you know um as I've said before, I've worked with under fifteen under sixteen players you know I've done after school clubs for kids you know that are five six, seven years old. Uh, development sessions ranging from, you know, eight or nine to 13, 14. So, you know, all of those experiences you can get something from. Um, the key the key part of that is just being able to reflect on what you do and, you know, being able to be honest with yourself and look at yourself first as a coach. Um, you know, if a session doesn't work, you know, you're not getting in the car and driving home and thinking, oh, the you know, the players didn't listen to me, they didn't get it, so-and-so kept doing this wrong, you know, he wasn't listening to me. But you've you've got to start with yourself first and say, OK, was the session relevant? you know, did they understand it? Was it pitched too high? Was it pitched too low? Was it too easy so they were bored and they were messing around? Um, you know, were they getting out of it what they wanted? You know, did they have a chance to have lots of goes at something? Did they have the ball at their feet a lot of time? Did they get a chance to play the game? Or was it a session that was more for me? Was I talking too much? You know, was it too much about me wanting to put on you know this great I've got a new idea I'm going to try it out and was I pushing it too much was I forcing it should I have seen earlier that you know this session wasn't working and should I have changed it and I think through all those experiences you just build up you build up knowledge and you build up um you know just a a way of being able to look at a session and just instinctively knowing you know how to change and adjust it to get what you want out of it. You know, if the kids are a bit sluggish and a bit slow, you know, can, what can you do personally? Does it have to be something that changes in the setup? Does it have to be something you do? Do you have to drive the session more with your voice and just getting out there on the grass and just practicing practicing is, is, is the way, it's the way I've done it, but it's the way I had to do it because, you know, I've come through grassroots and done, you know, the badges and followed the coaching pathway you know that that's my journey that my journey's gonna look different to someone else's journey um but you know I'd hundred percent recommend getting out there and practicing what you do, but just making sure you're doing it in the right environment, you know making sure it's somewhere you know that you can progress and the the biggest thing for me over the last couple of years you know is being in an environment where you start to meet people you know and you start to meet like minded people that have you know, similar ambitions to you, you know, similar love for the game, a similar love for coaching. And, you know, they have not the same experiences as you, but they have things that they can offer you. The most improvement I've made as a coach um, is in the last couple of years, just where I've built a network of people around me. You know, it's not many people. It's, you know, three, four, five people that I talk to on a regular basis and being able to share things with them Um, just talk generally about ideas and what they've done before and just people that you can go to that can offer you advice and can be honest with you, you know, is massive. Um, So those two things have, you know, obviously the time spent coaching and having the right people around you um, is massive.
0: You mentioned about a network of people around you and I mentioned on a previous episode, on, on episode one, when I spoke to Adam, And I I made an opinion and I gave an opinion that I personally have seen uh, lower qualified coaches that are often in my eyes uh, further along the line and actually better developed than higher qualified coaches. And you just mentioned about your network and you said it's not that big, but actually you're around ambitious people, like-minded people, people that you think obviously can benefit your development. And in terms of that networking, where where do you meet these people and what have you sort of done to source these, these like-minded people? Is, is it through courses? Is it through social media? Is it through word um, of mouth? How have you done it?
1: I've probably been lucky, you know, just in terms of where I've fallen in my coaching roles and the people that I've met uh, within them. Uh, to be honest, as I've said, it that was only probably from two, uh, push three years ago that I've really started to meet people because before that, um, as a grassroots coach, I spent most of my time coaching on my own. Um, in other coaching roles, you get it's very similar. You know, you you, you jump jump in the car, go to training, do your session. You finished. You jump in the car. You go home. And most of the start of you know my coaching was just me, and I just had to reflect on my own. So um, it's difficult to meet those people because you you do meet a lot of people. Um, And, you know, on courses and things, you you do get to speak to people, you get to connect with people. But then, you know, maintaining those relationships can be quite difficult at times, just purely for, you know, time and location basis. Um, I've just been very lucky um, in, you know, the environments I've worked in the last couple of years that I've, you know, found people that I've been able to connect with and you know share ideas with and build relationships with um i don't think there's i I think you should seek those people out but i've been very fortunate that they've you know almost fallen into my lap so I, i'm probably not best placed to you know be able to suggest where where you can find these people um but just just be aware that when you do you know you, you do find you know, that person you sit down and you've had a conversation with them on a course or something like that, you know, do, do try and make more of an effort. I was probably guilty of, I probably would have met more of those kinds of people if I'd have maybe put myself out there a bit more and been a bit more forceful in trying to maintain contact. So looking back, that's probably something I do a little bit differently. Um, you can meet these people anyways. So I'm probably not best place to advise people. I've been very lucky. Um, just to find those people in the last couple of years no it's really good
0: stuff and yeah it is important like you said that everyone will meet their sort of own network in in a different way and something else you just mentioned and and i personally agree and i find it really interesting is that you said if you had sort of opened up a little bit more on earlier courses you might have actually found a network a little bit sooner you might have found actually some really sort of useful and insightful people that you could have now had in your network that you sort of missed that opportunity. And I think a number of factors will cause that when you're obviously a young coach, you're enthusiastic, you're excited, you might go on courses, but you still might have those sort of nerves and you think, well, their experiences sound like they're so far ahead of me. I'm not sure I'm in the same category, but one thing I would advise to anyone going on courses and I like to think that I've always done this doesn't matter who you have on your course Uh, whether it's the tutors or whether it's the the fellow candidates on the course. Be open-minded, because if you take one bit of information away from a course, whether that's from a tutor or a fellow candidate, you have learned something. For me, that course is worthwhile. It only takes one bit of information. And with regards to this podcast, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in football. I'm not an expert in coaching. They say, what is it, 10,000 hours, they say, to, to study something, to officially class yourself an expert. And I'm significantly far from that right so it's all about learning and developing so if you're listening to this even if you take 10 seconds of each episode that i'm putting out and you think oh that's changed my mindset that's asked that's asked questions in my head that's made me think about saying or i didn't know that for me my job's done so the only reason i set this podcast up It's to educate you all educate myself and be open-minded with that be open-minded when you're listening to these podcasts Lee is one of many, many, many coaches. And he is not putting his points or his views across to say, this is the right way to coach. This is the right way to do this. This is his opinion. This is his advice. So take his advice, take snippets from it, and and see if you can add it to your own sort of development. In terms of actual content and courses you've been on, Lee, so, so we'll go back to that, what courses do you feel you would sort of put your development down to and say, that really did change my mindset. That really did
1: yeah. make me a um, better, better coach. I've got an answer. I just want to jump in on that. Just the point you just made just before I answer that, if I can, um, just, just because I think it adds to, Please do. Um, you know, what I've said and what you've just said. Um, funnily enough, on the level two course that I did, um, which I did in 2013, which is a year, year after i moved up to sussex from devon where i grew up um there's since since doing that course in 2013 um you know as i've said i was guilty of not keeping in touch with people um in the last two years i've since met three people from that course uh one who uh previously worked for the Chelsea Foundation is now involved um with the Chelsea women's development setup. Uh, one I now coach with at Wimbledon and one I have met um through fixtures and through doing visits to other clubs who now works at Fulham. So there's three people there that were on my level two course that I didn't, you know, didn't put myself out there to, you know, make enough contact with them, you know, that that could have helped me, you know, from what are we two thousand that's seven years? so six seven years where i've known these people and you know they've had their experiences and gone on to do brilliant things that i've missed out on um you know that if i put myself out there you know a little bit more been a bit you know a bit braver as you said in making those connections then you know i could have benefited you know from their experiences um in terms of courses to answer that um the big change for me um, was doing the youth module courses. I think at that time, as I've said before, where I was a coach that kind of researched drills and took them from you know, books and the internet and stuff like that, The youth, going on the youth module courses, which I don't think run anymore. I think they've been put in with the level one and level two courses. Um, that was the first time that I'd been on a course where we were encouraged and we were taught to think about how to create drills ourselves for for our players for the people that we the players that we work with Um, that was from that moment I you know obviously still look at drills and still take ideas but from that moment I'd say 90 90 percent 95 percent of the stuff I did from doing the youth modules was driven by myself and driven by my players that I worked with and driven by my own ideas. You know, that, that course was absolutely massive for me.
0: Yeah, the youth jumping in on the, on the youth module thing you mentioned. For those that are listening that are sort of newer coaches or have only sort of got involved in the last year or two, uh, you're spot on, as far as I'm aware. The level one and two were obviously sort of rebranded and restructured, and they now include the youth modules one and two. For those that don't know or sort of never got an opportunity to do those courses, in terms of the main strand courses or or those that aren't aware at all and and thinking about getting involved with the game, the Level 1, Level 2, UEFA B licence, UEFA A licence and UEFA Pro licence are the main strand of courses. And I'm sure you would agree with this, Lee, and, and I think this is the aim of them. They will give you the technical and tactical understanding of what football is, how to coach it, and how to develop your knowledge to deliver to any group. Uh, yeah. Would you agree I with that? I would, yeah, and
1: I think the way um the, the way the courses are going now is, is very much, you know, that way and think they're educating you about yourself as much as they're educating you about football. Um, you know, that was certainly my experience of the UA for B course that again was, you know, rebranded in recent years. That, you know, a huge part of it and a huge part of the youth modules was you know, discovering, you know, going back in your experiences of football, you know, the coaches you've had previously who've influenced you and how you view the game, you know, so getting that understanding of yourself is, you know, very much more considered now than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. And,
0: yeah, like you said, it's it's certainly, in terms of the youth modules, it's certainly an eye-opener. So following on from what I've just mentioned about the main strand courses, those that didn't obviously do the youth modules, they were subsidiary courses. And where I feel the main strand gave you the sort of tactical and technical knowledge, the youth module sort of gave you the social psychological knowledge to take all that information, implement it into your individualistic coaching, into your individualistic environment. Uh, so I think they were themed, uh, again, don't quote me, I'm, obviously it was a while ago I did them, but. One was about creating an environment and a culture, and one was about developing practices. So like you said before, Lee, and these courses were so pivotal in my personal development as well. And those that are newcom- new coaches, upcoming coaches, now they are merged into one, you are very, very, very lucky because you're getting two unbelievably sort of informative courses merged into one. So they are really, really good, just in with an open mind. In terms of other courses, Lee, not sort of necessary FA run courses are there any sort of different ones or external ones outside the FA that you've sort of undertaken um, yourself yes yeah, so I'm currently,
1: um, currently doing a master's course in uh, performance football coaching and uh, that's with St Mary's University at Twickenham it's a distance learning course um, so I you know have been able to do that um, alongside the work I do now um, obviously with it being a master's course you know you need to access a degree a degree course first. You know, I did that many, many years ago now. Um, my start of my degree was actually in sports therapy, um, which I, you know, never really went on to use. Um, however, you know, a lot of the content that was on the course, you know, about understanding the body, understanding, you know, rehab and strength and conditioning and working with athletes individually and the psychology around that, that all benefits me now. Um, you know, so if as you say, you know, you are a young a young person or, you know, or an older person, you know, I 100% recommend, you know, going to look into the theory side of coaches as much as you can because it's so interesting. The reason, the, the reason I wanted to do it was, was for two reasons. One, because I felt like I was getting to the point in my coaching journey where it was, it was almost like a now or never. And I was like, right, I really need to make this push, make this jump into academy football. What's going to help me? maybe stand out, you know, on my CV from other people, you know, it was the idea to do that. Uh, The second part of it was purely because, you know, all those years of experience that you have and that you build up, you know, I never really understood the theory behind it. You know, you get told, you know, about certain practices and what they're good for and, um, you know, things like that and understanding the theory, you know, the research that goes into, you know, what, what practices work best in which situations you know and how how to execute them properly and things to consider um that was absolutely massive for me, along with you know the other content of the course as well you know where we look at um we've looked at analysis we've looked at coaching cultures you know and, um, your relations and managing your relationships with people, which is um massive you know again we've spoken about it on meeting people of courses but you know, the higher you go, you have to manage a huge amount of, you know, relationships with players, parents, um, other members of staff, et cetera. And, you know, the the content around that was really interesting as well. Obviously, things like that, you know, either you don't want to do a degree or, you know, might not be accessible to people. Um, CPDs, you know, they're another, another source, obviously, you know, you said about not mentioning kind of the FA stuff, but CPDs are run, you know, by lots of different companies now. Um, there's a lot of them. Again, you know, you you have to filter the information you're getting, and you're not, you know, due to time constraints, you're not able to access them all. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you, it's it's one of those things you've just got to kind of take in as much information as you can. You might sit there for an hour and not take anything like you said earlier, you might go to if you take one thing away that you can add to your coaching, it's beneficial. Um, my I've just shared, I realize I've spoken for a while, but I've just shared one thing. Um, I went on a CPD, would be maybe a year and a half ago. Um, there was a local one and it was um, with a coach who was at Lewis FC, I believe Fran Alonso, I believe his name was. we worked with Pochettino at Tottenham, so he's was at Lewis, I think he's now at Celtic women's team. Um, I went to a CPD with him and you go to the CPDs and you think, or you go on, you know, you ask to visit an academy because you want to watch their coaches and you go there with all the expectation that you're going to see something and you're going to see a drill that you're going to take away and it's going to blow your mind. But in my experience, you don't. I've ne- I don't think I've ever come away from a CPD and seen a drill where I've been like, that I haven't seen before, I haven't done before myself. The real key, and I realised it on this course, or on this CPD, is that I was watching him do a drill that I've done before as a little diamond kind of passing pattern about the timing of the pass and kind of getting him behind. And I'd done it you know, before, obviously not to his standard. So I was like, right, how does he do it differently to me? And once you flip that around and you look at the coach and you look at the messages they give, how they use their body language, their tone of voice, you know, how they give details to the players, do they stop and do it to the group? You know, how do they demonstrate? Do they pull an individual to the side? How do they talk to, you know, their other coaches? How do they interact? How do they set the tone for the session? That just opened my mind up massively. And now, whenever I watch the session, I watch the coach. I I don't go with the mindset of wanting to pick up sessions. I go with, you know, looking at how coaches work with their players and just take bits from that.
0: I think that's such a good point that you've made there, Lee. And uh, you you said about halfway through, I'm I'm talking about lot, But again, this is the whole point of this. And it's hearing about your experiences because, again, I'm not lying. Um, People have asked me, oh, how are you sort of running this? Is is there sort of preemptive questions? This whole podcast and the whole series is going to be raw. So anyone that's been on it, so Adam was on it uh, in the first episode and and he's opened his social media up for questioning for anyone that wants to ask further questions and found it insightful. This is all raw. And I myself have made it very open that I want to learn as well. I'm sitting here and I'm listening and I'm picking little information and even mentality and mindset changes that you've made. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, do you know what? I'm learning from that. I'm, I'm learning actually, have I done that? I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, have I done those things? Is that something I need to sort of do a little bit more? And, and I think it's so insightful to hear that kind of side of it. And, and thank you for sort of diving into that for us. With regards to that CPD event, um, let's try to talk on that one as well you mentioned that uh, the, the gentleman that sort of delivered the course uh, Fran Alonso you mentioned I know he's obviously quite um, well known within the women's game at the moment he's moved around to a couple of clubs he like you said was working with Pochettino um, for me personally as, as a young coach Pochettino has been incredible to watch over the last couple of years I absolutely love lots sort of watching Spurs play before he left Um, Some of the the ways he set his teams up, some of the points he put across to his team and and the way he set them up was just unbelievable. And I learned so much from watching him. And you yourself, Lee, have just said that you had access to someone who has worked with one of the best coaches in world football. And was that CPD event uh, costly, don't mind asking? Or or was it a free It
1: might have been £5, maybe. It might have been £5. It was run by... £5 and... 99% I'm 99% sure Sussex FA put it on, um, obviously because the the club he was working it at, at the time. Um, it it wasn't, you know, if if I'm going to be critical of, you know, and I've been in and around, um, you know, sort of county FAs and things like that, and they they do get frustrated with the, you know, the lack of uptake on CPDs. Now this, if there's a unique selling point of a course that you've got a coach, like you say, that has worked with someone like Pochettino is five pound and it's within your County. This course wasn't full up by the way. You know, I'm, you, you have to question, you know, obviously people have commitments and, you know, fitting in with work and stuff like that, but opportunities like that, if if you become aware of them, like you, this is sometimes it's just sacrifices you've got to make, you know, and it's, that was, you know, at a time where uh, myself and another coach I worked with at the time we went along uh, because of the work we were doing, you know, I worked all day in the school and then every evening I'd go out coaching. Um, So it was staying late. It was, it was another late evening, adding that on, but it's just such a good opportunity. And you've just got, you've just got to take them and just, Sometimes it's a gamble. Sometimes, like I said, you go to a CPD and you won't get anything out of it and it'll put you off. But you've just kind of got to... That's, that's football. You've just got to persevere with it. And like you say, you, you take one idea away and you've, you've got to see it as a success if it can improve it as a coach.
0: Yeah, going back to what you just mentioned about uh, the, the FA and, and obviously you gave your opinion on that. I see a lot of stuff myself and and a lot of people sort of voice that very publicly that there's either not enough courses available or the cost of courses is a barrier. I'll be open and and I'll be honest here and I'll say to those listening that I personally think for my development, I need to get on more CPD events because every single time I've gone on a course or an event, I've not gone on a single one where I haven't learned something. So for me personally, it's like you said, you need to make sacrifices. If you want to develop, you need to work hard and, and you need to take responsibility for your own development. As much as you can bounce ideas off other people, you can sort of look at the FA and say, well, uh, what are you doing for me? Look at yourself first. What what are you doing to develop your own personal, your coaching or whatever role it is you're in? What are you doing to better yourself? And for the sake of five pounds, I mean, that I don't want to talk about people's finances, but... For the sake of five pounds, I'd like to think that that's a course that should be full up. Um, Certainly, with the content that you've sort of explained, comes with it. And for the final topic, Lee, just for the last couple of minutes, uh, before we do the sort of final feature and and we close off, I just want you to discuss one thing that hasn't actually come up yet, but you you just sort of briefly touched on it. You, uh, am I right in saying you're not full time with, with your role at Wimbledon? Right. How do you. Balance your full-time role whatever it is you do in the day if you, if you want to talk about that, how do you balance that with years of uh, courses coaching and grassroots yeah. um making that step up to a professional club how do you balance that time and how have you done that to to get to where you are today because it doesn't matter how old you are doesn't matter how long you've been coaching if you've to a position where you feel like you've progressed and you've progressed and you've progressed and, and you've then ended up getting to the, the pro game. It's a great achievement. It doesn't matter if that, if that's the level that you hit and, and you think, well, I'm not ready to go further or I'm not quite, I'm not quite talented enough to go further, but I love what I do. Then you've achieved something. How have you got to the point? Because I know you love your role. How have you got to that point? And, and what would you advise is, is a good way to sort of balance sure. and manage um, your time within day to day life?
1: If- Remind me if I don't, if I don't say it, so I'm going to try and answer your question and pick up a point that you just mentioned about, uh, the courses and in particular, the UA for B. So if I don't, if I don't get around to that, just remind me to kind of chat that in, um, uh, in terms of my managing, yeah, no. um, myself and my time, um, very early on, you know, it was grassroots stuff is, you know, weekends. And then as we say, you said, you may know, have the odd evening. Um, from the from the moment I realised I wanted football to you know I wanted to try and make a career out of it. Um unfortunately it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you you just because of the, the nature of football is, you know, it's it's evening the weekends. You know, that's the reality. You know, I, I you I can't emphasize that enough. Like you 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 don't there's two things. You don't get into football. One to make money obviously you do make money but you know this you don't do it for that you you have to have a love of what you do you know and working with people and working with kids you know it's it's hard to to make a career you know it really is i, I can't i can't express that enough and i i do i, I have a slight you know bugbear with things where you know there's a, you'll see a manager or a, a professional coach you know an assistant coach or whatever that may be and you hear the same stories all the time it's like you know i you know i had a job and then you know i did did this session and then someone saw me and all of a sudden three years later i was working with the first team like that that doesn't happen very often and putting in those hours and putting in the evenings and the weekends that you know, at times that's, that's difficult. At times you think, am I, you know, why am I doing this? You know, you have that conversation with yourself at times you'll feel like you're getting absolutely nowhere. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I kind of got to the point where I was, I, I was all in. So I just had to keep going, you know, I had to keep working hard I had to keep believing that, you know, what I wanted to happen would come, but I'm sure, you know, for every, every success story there is, I'm sure there's lots and lots of people that have, you know, changed their minds on careers. They've either given up or they've just, you know, they've gone back to, you know, just working with their, their kids' team, you know, or what, whatever that may be and just taking a different path. Um, just, just be aware that it's hard. It, it is hard. and I'm, I'm, You know, I can't sit here now and say that, you know, everything I've everything I've done has got me to this point. You know, I understand that I'm very fortunate to be in the position I am. And yes, you know, I've put in put in the hours, you know, I've worked every night of the week and weekends for three or four years. That that doesn't mean that because I did that I got this role. You know, I'm I'm very lucky that um, you know, that how I come how I came to hear about that, you know, Wimbledon were hiring coaches. Um you know, how I got into contact, you know, with the club and just how things fell into place for me. I'm very fortunate. You know, I can't express that enough. Unfortunately, because of the coaching pathway, because of what football is, you know, you have to I uh, I don't wanna say or I have to say I suppose jump through the hoops. You have to do your one, two, you know, your your A for B to get to that stage. That's the coaching pathway, you know, you've got to do that. And you've got to be willing to sacrifice your evenings and your weekends because it is a sacrifice, you know, having a have, you know, my daughter is now three months old, four months old, um, you know, putting in the evenings and the weekends, you know, I've been very fortunate that, you know, I, I say very fortunate because the situation now, you know that you know we are at home and we're not training and we're not working that you know I get to spend a huge amount of time with her but you know if the season carried on that's just something you know that you have to consider that you know if it's what you want to do you know 100% go for it but understand that the journey is hard it's difficult there's times when you're going to feel like it's not worth it there's times where you'll feel like you're not going to get to the point you want to get to um if it's what you want to do, I, I have to be honest, when when you get to the point that I'm at now, yes, you know, I've said I've said before that I, I love it and I do, I absolutely love every minute of it. But you realise again that you're at the you're almost at the bottom of the next ladder and you've got to work even harder to to stay in the role and to improve and to get better. You know, it's it's, it's nonstop. You you've just gotta love that, you know, that want to improve improve and make yourself better as a coach you've, you've got to have that you've got to want that you know if you, you can't sit back and you're like, i've done it now i'm here you know i'm gonna do my sessions go home and you know I've, I've done my bit it's you've got to keep pushing it becomes you know your mindset becomes what you're doing you're getting that routine of driving yourself um that's that's my advice Thank you so much for that advice, Lee.
0: And before we wrap things up, is there two books and one course that you could recommend for
1: those that are listening? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, Two books. Uh, First one, um, or first, I'd just say any by Michael Calvin. So Michael Calvin wrote uh, Living on the Volcano and um, State of Play and No Hunger in Paradise. Uh, Just anything he just gives a view of the people in football and just how you need to be aware of, you know, that you need to coach the person in front of you rather than the football. And it just really puts things into perspective with his books. Uh, The second one um, is a book by Pete Carroll, who's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. It's called Win Forever. Um, It basically talks about setting the environment, uh, how he does that. Um, It's an incredible book. It really is. Um, I I can't recommend that enough. Uh, just about working with a group and you know how to get your ideas across is brilliant. Uh, if I can recommend one course, uh, it'd be it obviously has to be the UA for B. Uh the UA for B is, you know, the ticket into academy football. You know you need it. Um, just on that, you know, it's it's a difficult course to get onto, you know, most counties only only hold one course for, you know, twenty six, thirty people. You know, I know very good coaches and very good people that, you know, work in football full time. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult for them to get on. Um, so go out there, do, you know, your CPDs, uh, make sure you're doing as much as you can to enhance your coaching in other areas. You know, don't just look at courses as, you know, the be all and end all, but do as much as you can to give yourself as much chance of getting on the B as possible and look at their criteria to how they select you. You know, make sure that, you know, if you want to get onto it, make sure you're in one of the top two groups of you know, where they're looking for candidates for the course.
0: Lee, thank you so much for your time, your insight, your knowledge. It's been absolutely incredible and I, again, really enjoyed it and I've learned a lot. So thank you very much for that. No worries. Um, Loved it. I
1: hope you look after yourself. Yeah, and you. and you. Thanks very much, thank guys. Thank you, Lee.
0: Take care. And
1: you, Mick.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it insightful. If you'd like to be a guest or if you have any topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes, either DM me on Twitter at ttalkspod or email me at touchlinetalkspod at